Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains audio extracted from videos on the Harry Potter Theory YouTube channel. Hey everyone, welcome to another installment of Harry Potter Theory. Today we're going to be taking a look at some unpublished content from Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Scribblings and drafts taken straight from JK Rowling's notes that never saw the light of day. These drafts will include an original synopsis for the book that kept getting rejected by publishers, a very early draft of a page from Philosopher's Stone where you'll notice that Draco's surname used to be Spungen, another very early draft of one of the earliest pages of Philosopher's Stone, a page one draft of chapter six, the journey from platform nine and three quarters, and a page two draft of chapter six. If you enjoy peeling back the layers of the story and uncovering secret, unpublished tidbits, then let's not wait any further. Old Synopsis The original synopsis of Philosopher's Stone, which I sent out to publishers and which kept winging its way back. Harry Potter lives with his aunt, uncle, and cousin because his parents died in a car crash, or so he has always been told. The Dursleys don't like Harry asking questions. In fact, they don't seem to like anything about him, especially the very odd things that keep happening around him, which Harry himself can't explain. The Dursley's greatest fear is that Harry will discover the truth about himself, so when letters start arriving for him near his 11th birthday, he isn't allowed to read them. However, the Dursleys aren't dealing with an ordinary postman, and at midnight on Harry's birthday, the gigantic Rubius Hagrid breaks down the door to make sure Harry gets to read his post at last. Ignoring the horrified Dursleys, Hagrid informs Harry that he is a wizard, and the letter he gives Harry explains that he is expected at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry in a month's time. To the Dursleys' fury, Hagrid also reveals the truth about Harry's past. Harry did not receive the scar on his forehead in a car crash. It is really the mark of the great dark sorcerer, Voldemort, who killed Harry's mother and father, but mysteriously couldn't kill him even though he was a baby at the time. Harry is famous among the witches and wizards who live in secret all over the country because Harry's miraculous survival marked Voldemort's downfall. So Harry, who has never had friends or family worth the name, sets off for a new life in the wizarding world. He takes a trip to London with Hagrid to buy his Hogwarts equipment, robes, wand, cauldron, beginner's draft and potion kit, and shortly afterwards sets off for Hogwarts for King's Cross Station platform nine and three quarters, to follow in his parents' footsteps. Harry makes friends with Ronald Weasley, 
sick than his family to go to Hogwarts and tired of having to use secondhand spellbooks, and Hermione Granger, cleverest girl in the year and the only person in the class to know all the uses of dragon's blood. Together, they have their first lessons in magic, astronomy up on the tallest tower at two in the morning, herbology out in the greenhouses where the- Next up, I've got a very early draft of one of the first pages of Philosopher's Stone, a fat kind of cactus in the corner of the greenhouse, which moaned in a feeble sort of voice that its spines were aching. Quirrell's classes were a bit of a joke. Everyone was hoping for gruesome, spine-chilling classes on dark magic, but with Quirrell in charge, they couldn't somehow get him properly the right mood. His classroom smelled strongly of garlic. The story went that ever since a narrow escape from a vampire in Romania, Quirrell had lived in fear that it would come and get him. He seemed almost as frightened of his students as the trolls, werewolves, and hags he was teaching them about. Seamus Finnegan and Dean Thomas had a bet on to see how long Quirrell would stutter over a single word in each lesson. Madame McGonagall, who taught Transfiguration, was as different from Quirrell as it was possible to be. She was very strict and allowed no messing about. Transfiguration is one of the most difficult and dangerous kinds of magic, she told them in their first lesson. Anyone playing the fool will leave my class and not come back. Then she demonstrated how to turn a desk into a pig and back again. They were all very, very impressed. As Percy Weasley had predicted, however, she gave them a single match and told them they would first be learning how to turn them into needles. It really was horribly difficult. After two lessons, only Hermione Granger had managed to make any difference to her match. Madame McGonagall showed the class how Hermione's match had gone pointed and silvery, and Hermione beamed at the praise. And then there was Snape, who taught potions in- And here's the page that follows, where you'll notice that Draco's last name is Spongin and not Malfoy. Large and gloomy dungeon, lined with glass jars. Some held brilliant, jewel-colored liquids. Others pickled roots and various bits of creatures. Harry tried to change his mind about Snape. At the start of term banquet, he'd got the idea that Snape didn't like him. Now, after the very first potions lesson, he knew that he had been wrong. Snape didn't dislike Harry, he hated him. As he called the register at the start of their first lesson, together Snape glanced up to look at each student as they answered, yes sir. When Harry answered, Snape's black eyes flashed as he stared at him for a long while, and a twisted smile twisted his thin mouth. Ah yes, Potter, he said, our new celebrity. Draco Spongen snorted loudly, and Harry flushed with anger. The first year Gryffindors and Slytherites had potions together, which gave the Gryffindors the chance to see the truth of what everyone said about Snape, that he was vicious to everyone except members of his house. Snape finished taking the register and cast a long look around at the twenty students, his black eyes glittering, addressed his new students. Potions, he said. You are here to learn the subtle science and exact artistry of potion making. No foolish wand waving. And here, many of you will hardly believe this is magic. How very few of you cloth-headed young dolts will understand the beauty of the softly simmering cauldron and its shimmering fumes, the delicate power of liquids that steal through human veins, bewitching the body and ensnaring the mind. I can teach you how to bottle fame and glory, decant power, stop a death. But how few of you dunderheads will be able to learn? Snape paused and his glittering black eyes rounded over the class. No one spoke or moved. 
Snape was one of those teachers who silences you didn't break. Hermione Granger, who... And that's the end of that page. I particularly liked Slytherites, unless of course I was reading that wrong. Next, we're onto the page one draft of chapter six, the journey from platform nine and three quarters. Harry's last month at the Dursleys wasn't fun. True Dudley really was now so scared of Harry, he wouldn't stay in the same room. And Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon didn't shut Harry in his cupboard or force him to do anything or shout at him. In fact, they didn't speak to him at all. Half terrified, half furious, they acted as though any chair where Harry was sitting was empty. While an improvement in many ways, this did become depressing after a while. Harry spent most of his time in his room with his owl. He pinned a piece of paper on the wall with the days left before September the 1st, marked on it, and he ticked them off every night. On the 31st of August, he thought he'd better speak to his uncle about getting to King's Cross next day. So he went down to the living room where the Dursleys had a quiz show on television. Harry cleared his throat to tell them he was there, and Dudley squealed and ran out of the room. Uh, Uncle Vernon? Uncle Vernon grunted to show he was listening. Um, I need to be at King's Cross tomorrow to, to go to Hogwarts. Uncle Vernon grunted again. Would it be alright if you gave me a lift? Grunt. Harry supposed that was yes. Thank you, he said. And he was about to leave the room when Uncle Vernon actually spoke to him. Funny way to get to a wizard school, he said. The train magic carpets all got punctures, have they? Harry didn't say anything. Where is this school then? I don't know, said Harry. So how are you going to get there? I just take the platform from nine and three quarters. Next up, we've got another draft from the same chapter. Harry woke up at five o'clock the next morning and was too excited and nervous to get back to sleep. He got up and pulled on his jeans because he didn't want to walk into something in wizard's robes in front of the kid on the train. He checked his Hogwarts list yet again to make sure he had everything he needed, made sure Hedwig was safely in her cage, and waited for the Dursleys to get up. Harry's huge, heavy trunk had been loaded into the Dursleys' trunk. Aunt Petunia had talked Dudley into sitting next to Harry, and they set off. He'd have to ask someone. He stopped a passing guard, and, but didn't dare mention Platform 9 and 3 quarters. When the guard had never heard of Hogwarts, and when Harry couldn't tell him the city or town it was near, he started to think Harry was just trying to annoy him, as if Harry was trying to annoy him on purpose. In desperation, Harry asked him for the train that left at 11 o'clock, but there wasn't one. In the end, the guard strode away, muttering about wasted people wasting his time. Harry tried not to panic. As wishing the large, the large distant clock over the arrivals board in front of Harry, he had 10 minutes left to get on the train, and he had no idea how to do it. He was stranded in the middle of the station, with a trunk he could hardly lift, pocket and a pocket full of wizard's money, and a large owl. What on earth was he going to do? And that concludes the draft readings for today. Apologies if at times it sounded a bit confusing. Some of these old drafts are exceedingly difficult to read, especially with all of the words crossed out and replaced. If you want more draft readings, let me know down in the comment section below. Until next time, remember, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live.